Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Price Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. Whether you watch your favorite sports and players, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New game day shirt. Boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate. Boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W. But you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction, eligibility, and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member. FDIC. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. How's the bacon, did you say? From the Men in Blazers studios in the crap part of Bedford, the crap part of West Hollywood, California, it's Rams country. It's a Men in Blazers podcast. <laughs> oh, we back like GFOP Cooper Cup. So lovely to see him defy the curse of Rog, Dave. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. You know, I've never asked you this. Do you believe in love? Of course I believe in love. I also believe it's a simulation, but I do believe in love within that simulation. <laughs> a long-term love. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't achieved it, but I have it. For, well, obviously, with my children, I have. But it's a, yeah, I believe in, I'm, I'm a... I'm a knight's tale person. I'm not a miller's tale person. I like, I believe in like proper, proper romantic love, without a doubt. Oh, you've got to work at love like Antonio Conte works at winning. Love doesn't just happen. He's got a lot of work to do. Just needs Daniel Levy to spend some money and then love can happen. Yeah, Happy yeah, Super Bowl, we should say, to Stan Kroenke. Watching him smile, Dave, at the end was honestly, that was, I think, the MVP performance by his lips, slightly upturning. God, bless Arsenal fans tuning in. I, I love the most naive sector of the Arsenal fan base, Dave, who are like, the Super Bowl win means Stan's going to now splash the no, cash in the summer. No, it won't. That, yeah, it actually might mean the opposite, or it won't change direction at all, is the most likely outcome. I am pretty sure the the Super Bowl trophy when it was actually presented to Silent Stan. I'm 97% sure he thought he was being handed a trophy for person in world who most does not care about Arsenal Football Club. I'm not sure he cares that much about sport. I don't know why he owns any of these teams. God, that's an incredible question. Would we be talking about him if he didn't? And does he care that we're even talking about? And these are all questions we cannot fathom. Big love, though. The incredible GFOP at Hofvia, an Arsenal fan in the magical kingdom of Cincinnati, who sent us a photo of the pretzels he had baked in the shape of Cronky Sucks. (laughs) It's enormous. It's pretzel made. It's that kind of ingenuity and spite, Davo, that makes me believe America will remain a world superpower. Yeah. Massive news, by the way, from MIB World HQ. Beep, 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 beep. The Men in Blazers Media Network is launching a new podcast. 
and it's what? happening tomorrow. Well, you really should know about this because you're going to be hosting it. It's our European Night podcast. You're going to be joined <laughs> by the New York Times pew, 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 chief soccer correspondent, <laughs> Rory Smith. I can't wait for this, Roger. Oh, the goal with this new podcast, which I am so bloody excited about, is to backstory the entire week's European Slater games. That's right, Champions League, Europa League, and the mighty, mighty Europa Conference League. We will try and give you all you need to know to truly savour the magic of football played under the floodlights. And I've long admired Rory, his writing and the way he thinks about the game. Wanted to do this together with him for a long, long time. Roll on tomorrow, because I can't wait to hear what you think of it, GFOPs. That podcast will hit this very same pod feed tomorrow. So it hits that pod feed. So if you're already subscribed, <laughs> no need to do anything. And two other pieces of Men in Blazers content we should mention, Rog. A Men in Blazers TV show special with Chelsea women's manager and freshly crowned FIFA best women's coach, Emma Hayes, that drops this Sunday, February 20th on Peacock TV and a wonderful podcast that we released last week, the latest in our Camarena Tequila pod special series. You'll sit down with Dallas Mavs owner Mark Cuban. Rog, as if all of that isn't reason enough to raise our buds, can you give us another? I want to raise my third first bud of the day to the big news out of Britain this weekend. And never let me said that Men in Blazers does not raise the hard issues, Dave. Oh, yes, this Friday, possibly a top 10 headline ever in the British press. Are you ready for it, David? Yeah, a holiday maker who lost his false teeth while vomiting into a bin on a boozy night out in Benidorm was stunned when those teeth turned up in the mail 11 years <laughs> on. And... <laughs> The story is this. Paul Bishop, truly, if this guy doesn't get knighted in the next Queen's list of knighthoods, there is no point in continuing to do knighthoods, I don't think. He's age 63, and he said he, quote, fell ill after drinking cider on a night out in the Spanish party resort of Benidorm in yeah. 2011. I'm sure it was not a sipping drink, Rog, for him, the cider <laughs> that night. I think it was a gulping drink, right? <laughs> yeah, gulping drink. Guzzling. It was multiple. Was it a gulping I know. Or was it a guzzling yeah. drink? Which one was it? Was it was not his, or a gulp? Uh, third first cider of the day. Yeah, I I guess, and I, get, I don't like to speak for Paul Bishop, but I'm guessing he two-fists his drinks, he guzzles, and he gulps, and he lollops. And after, this is back to the article, Paul's dentures were found in a landfill. Spanish authorities used DNA records. Most people would pick up the dentures Why? and just be like, oh, yes. I know. Do the Spanish <laughs> authorities not have anything better to do? I know. David, who thinks, hmm, we can use DNA records to track down whoever lost their teeth. And they tracked Paul down to his Staley Bridge Greater Manchester home. Paul said he was, quote, gobsmacked, <laughs> unstunned when he saw his long lost gnashers. By the way, this is the BBC writing, his long lost gnashers. That's great writing. Yeah. Recalling the events of that hazy night more than a decade ago, Paul made up these memories. That's me editorialising. He told BBC Northwest tonight, I down the rest of my cider. <laughs> this is a great quote, David. I down the rest of my cider and it decided to come back up. Yeah. Oh, it's the cider's yeah. Yeah, it was. The cider has free will. <laughs> Nobody else does within the simulation, but the cider does. Oh, cider, I downed you and you decided to come back up. And then quote back to Paul, the bin, that's a garbage can, America. The bin was the closest thing to me. 
And he puked in the bin and then he just continues. We just then headed to the next bar. Okay, puking up, all decided. Yeah, let's go to the next bar. My friend then turned round to me and said, Where's your teeth, Paul? Paul rummaged around in vain for his dentures in the garbage can. So when they turned up 11 years later, out of the blue in the post, he said, I thought someone was playing a prank. And then he was explained that his teeth had been passed from landfill site to authorities. Next thing you know, they just popped it in the post. I raised this bud fam blood fam to science and to Paul. The article didn't finish the story properly. I do wonder, Dave, you know Paul, right? Sided a gulp yeah. gulp. Do you think he just casually 11 years, Spanish landfill in the mail? Do you think he just popped the dentures right back in? He's probably gave him a rinse. I'd like to think he gave them a rinse or a wipe. Sanitary conditions must be respected. Probably spat on them a little bit, wiped them on his shirt, rammed them right home, go back to the side. God love you, Paul. You fill my heart with joy. You make our spirits sore. Cider the gulp gulp. Yeah, I can only imagine, Rog, that the Spanish authorities thought they were investigating a murder. That's why they took them out of the landfill. That's why they looked for the DNA. And then they had a moment when they're like, oh, no, he's still alive. Well, what do we do with the teeth? Well, I suppose we send them to him. I imagine that that is the only way that would have happened. Unless there's a special Spanish government department that just looks through landfills for people's dentures that are relieved of their mouths during cider drinking. Can I just say, that would be an amazing CSI Benadol <laughs> episode. Where just like nine times out of ten, they're like, we found the teeth. Is it a serial killer on the loose? Oh, no. It's just another drunk British person <laughs> who's lost them in a garbage can. Side of the gulp gulp. Uh, okay. Rod, should we talk about football? Just end that's, the long, there? that's longer than we've spoken about 70% of the football matches we've ever spoken about. Should we just end the pod, pod there? I know. We're not really going to get better than that. Certainly not with this first game, Rog. The big one. The Club World Cup. Yes. Champions of Earth, you'll never sing that. Chelsea 2, Palmeiras 1. <laughs> Chelsea are now, Rog, the undisputed heavyweight champions of planet Earth after defeat. Of the universe. universe. Of the universe. Well, may as well be. I'd say if it's like a world championship in the Super Bowl, this may well be the universe. Uh, they, of the galaxy. Yeah, they defeated the Sao Paulo outfit in Abu Dhabi, that historical home of international soccer. Big Rom, Big Rom put the Chelsea up with a thundering header. Palmeiras drew level from the penalty spot, but an extra time after a Palmeiras handball in the box, that Kai Havertz converted from the spot to win another trinket for Papa Roman's banquet hall. The only major trophy in world football named after a sandwich. And coincidentally, the only major trophy that has eluded Chelsea during the Roman Abramovich era, the club, Super Duper Cup, Chelsea, the European champions, faced Palmeiras, formed by Brazilians, Italian immigrants back in 1914. Let's talk about the game first and the whole concept of the tournament second, Davo. But live from the Mohammed bin Zayed Stadium, talk me through what you saw from your boys, stodgy but glorious fare from the outset. I mean, it was odd. I mean, it's tough to really sort of talk about the performance without talking about the context where it sort of felt like you had one team and one set of fans who were dead set on winning it. And Chelsea players and fans all looked a little bit, you know, bemused by the entire thing and not quite sure how seriously they should be taking it. But partly because Palmeiras was so into it, I think that sort of got Chelsea to raise their game a little bit. Um, The pitch was good. I thought that was uh, a good sign heading into for all future football for all future football in the region 
Um, so the field was very good. Of which there will be much, much, much yeah. to come. You know, the game did pick up. Mount limped off yeah. on the half hour. Enter Christian Pulisic. And our boy did not play too badly at all. Incredible at drawing free kicks. Not so good at taking them. But he was filled with pluck and bravado. Fascinating in the wake of an interview he gave to ESPN um, last week in which he admitted... Well, he really talked about the tough time he's been through this season, which we knew. But he talked about how he's often overthought his football and felt the pressure, especially when playing for the United States. He said, quote, I feel I have to save the team. I still haven't completely learned, especially going back to the US. Sometimes I put too much pressure on myself. I feel a need to do something special where I just need to play the best I can. I think we saw that on Saturday, Dave. It was just looked like he was going out and enjoying the game again. Well, he looked more energised, without a doubt. People who've seen him play a lot in person feel like they see a moment where he just is about to go and then he just stops or he just doesn't quite have the confidence uh, to go through with what he was thinking he was going to do or in this case, overthinking, I suppose, what he was going to do. But yeah, it was the pace of the game was impressive. The uh, commitment of both sides and, you know, it seemed to work for Christian. Chelsea opened the scoring. Lukaku, 55th minute. That man loves the Club World Cup almost as much as FIFA bureaucrats. He rose up to nod home thunderously, even surrounded by four defenders. Thiago Silva, he will be kicking himself. Let his own countrymen back into the game, conceding a penalty. Extra time, bit of a coma. Palmeiras and their truly impressively delirious fans. This mattered. This matters uh, in South America, mm. this tournament. I think 18,000 of them, incredible number, travelled over. And they felt that they'd done enough to reach the promised land of a penalty shootout. When Dave, vying to be the first Chelsea player, this is incredible, to have won every single possible club title. A true captain leader legend on the stealth had a volley echo off the hand of Luan from close range. And Dave, who stepped up to take the penalty? Your Champions League winner, Kai. Kai, with his left foot and a beautiful penalty. Um, like, like a Jorginho impersonator. Yeah, a, a little bit of a hoppity-skippity, uh, but a fantastic penalty taken with his left foot uh, to the goalie's right. Um, yeah, beautiful. I think he drew strength from the fact that Palmeiras' goalkeeper was named, and I crap you not, Weverton. that was so good it's just classic Weverton I mean God Brazilians never change that sense of humour is just I'm going to use that I am when I heard that I honestly I said to my wife Valentine's Day fifth kid let's do it I've got a name don't worry about it don't ask questions I've got a name I did love it when the cameras cut to Roman Abramovich um, in the Chelsea uh, owner's box when his team scored that dramatic late winner to land the 21st trophy, David, the 21st trophy of his ownership tenure. And the camera's cut to Roman. And I'll just say, I don't know if you saw this, he kind of uncorked the polite applause of someone whose partner had dragged them to a crappy off-Broadway play. Yeah, it was it was an odd reaction. But, you know, we've seen a lot of odd reactions from Roman Abramovich over the years. I mean, I think he's just very accustomed to winning things. I don't think he is is surprised or thrilled about it anymore. Yeah, it's I think what he expects. He loves masks, that guy, because they stifle yawns. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing boring there. What about being champions of the world, Dave? Oh, Miguel Delaney wrote, top of the world, but very far off top form. How did you feel? Was there excitement 
at the final whistle or was this empty calories? I mean, it's not empty calories. Like I've said before, uh, it's it's fun winning things. It's nice having that trophy to add to the whole thing. It's funny to sort of, you know, talk about sing champions of earth. You'll never, I mean, there's like so much good stuff that comes with it, but yeah, it's a slightly odd one. You know, I don't even know where to place it in terms of, you know, competitions. I think I said last week on the pod that it's like significantly below the Carabao cuppity, cuppity, cuppity cup, but it is a sort of similar feeling to that tournament, but on a global basis, but it's the fact that the South Americans care about it so much that made it quite, that made it more enjoyable, I think. I mean, it's a weird tournament, we should say, the Club World Cup right now, and that may change. I will just say, and I think everybody's saying this, but I need to say it too, Everton won the Florida Cup. How are we not even in it? I mean, doesn't that discredit the whole format a little bit when no, you're not having important cup winners really. participate? But the Club World Cup, it is a bit of a phantom tournament, almost a placeholder. It's a bargaining chip for FIFA mostly and their ongoing dirty war against UEFA, that balance of power. Also, a key strategy within the Gulf states for sports washing, their attempt to use elite sports glamour to change and transform the way they're perceived in the West. And a reflection, honestly, of their willingness to back up trucks of cash to bend the football world to their will, which they are doing, will do. I mean, that is the future of football. FIFA often have talked of a 24-team event in China to be funded by SoftBank, essentially the Super League by another name. And we have no idea right now what the tournament will look like the next time it will be played. We don't even know where um, it will be played. Still, English teams do not really care for it, but the you Meaning which say planet? The f- it could be on a different planet next time. Well, if, uh, if, 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 if Uranus can back up, the kind of trucks of cash that the other states are, they'll be in the argument. But, you know, for the the future of the game, um, when you look at the, where the money's coming from, you would make a bet, Dave, even just with site credits, that the Club World Cup is going to be bigger and bigger um, in years to come. We'll see. It was fun to win. I must say the production value was high. It was a little bit like watching, you know, sometimes, you know, when you play FIFA, and you like you get to a big game in FIFA yeah. and you watch all yeah. the pomp and circumstance and you think, wow, so much production went into this. Like, and it's just for a, a video game simulation. And this felt like a simulated video game final. Like I couldn't believe how much money they were spending on pyrotechnics and the, the graphics package and just various elements of it. It was it was extraordinary. God, that is that is possibly the music to FIFA's ears that their Club World Cup final felt almost as good as uh, as a big game <laughs> in EA Sports FIFA. And the headline, no doubt, splashed across the world's back pages this morning. Christian Pulisic, who is officially the first American to play in and also the first American to win a FIFA Club World Cup, mm-hmm. oh, biting into his medal with a smile, the first of two World Cups he will win, Davo, in 2022, right? <laughs> Do you know what? At the tennis club <laughs> yesterday morning, a uh, a bunch of uh, of my tennis playing friends uh, assaulted me, like laughing out loud about uh, that uh, tweet that you sent out on that subject. I will say it's amazing. They seem yeah. to appreciate the irony of it, which I know not everybody does, but they seem to appreciate it. I just want to make it clear. It was not meant to be ironic. <laughs> or, or if it was, only in the Alanis Morissette sense. <laughs> 
Okay, Rod, now to the domestic football and a bonkers weekend in the race for that coveted fourth place spot. We're going to start with Manchester United 1, Southampton 1. United booed off at home after capitulating the lead to a sprightly Southampton. Ralph with an F's mob were all over the Saints in the early exchanges and Jaden Sancho put them ahead in the 21st minute with his first Premier League goal at Old Trafford. But this United team continued to treat Leeds like soap without a rope. They let this one slip in the 48th minute when Shea Adams finished smartly off the post to tie things up. Hassan Huddle's mob gave as good as they got for the rest of the match and the draw continues their impressive form of late. Meanwhile, at United, German Hasselhoffel will rue more drop points as they gripple-grapple for that fourth-place spot. The Ralph Derby rang Nick against the Hasselhoffel. They told you not to worry about a game, which, to give context, ended 9-0 to United last season. They only mentioned that in the broadcast about 87 times. But this United, they don't really do goals. You know, in the fight for balance and control, Rangnick's cut down the goals United are leaking, yes, but failed to conjure really anything approaching potency at the other end. And in the last three games against Burnley, Middlesbrough and West Ham, United had scored just three goals from a staggering 70 shots. Thus, in the build-up to this game, the leaks out of the United locker room became a spigot. They've a brutal report midweek about the staleness and rejection of Double R's training. And look away, Chris Armas fans. Because <sighs> to undermine Ralph, the players really targeted Chris Armas, whom they likened to Ted Lasso, and not in a good way. A lot in the American soccer community found it deeply offensive. I'm going to ask you, is it? Oh, found it deeply offensive. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, you can... It's what was reportedly said by some or one or two, or we have no idea, Manchester United players in the dressing room. And I imagine compared to some of the offensive things that players say in dressing rooms and behind the scenes, I don't think this was really super offensive comparing him to a very nice uh, character on a lovely television sitcom. An award-winning character. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of, People, a lot of our friends like took to Twitter and said, we can't stand for this. This is like, we've got to like back Americans. This is like this lack of respect that we can't deal with. You know, maybe this, maybe Chris Armas is not the guy to stand up for. Now I say that knowing nothing about what's going on, but behind the scenes, but it does, you know, at a certain point, football is cruel. And when it's not going well, and it's certainly not going well at Man United, it's going to be tough for Chris Armas to win a lot of respect, especially with the coaching CV he has, exactly. which is not particularly long and not particularly impressive. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I do think it's pathetic that Manchester United's players' agents are taking time out to brief the press right now to protect their star players. But having said that, I am the first person to cry out against anti-Americanness in the European game. And anti-Americanness is very much evident, particularly you know, in the post-Bob Bradley era in the in the coaching realm. And I would think differently, to be clear, if Ralph had brought in a truly good American coach like a Pellegrino Matarazzo, say, who has built the experience and the resume that makes sense for him to come into Old Trafford as a coach. But Chris Armas managing 15 games at Toronto before being fired there, 10 of which he lost. There is nothing. If you shake down his LinkedIn page, there's nothing on that that makes it logical to say, yes, that. That is a man that is fitting to coach Manchester United other than whom he knows. And I think he has become, and I feel for him personally, 
I feel for him terribly. He's become a symbol of Rangnick's regime being completely out of its depth. And I bet the United players actually wish he was Ted Lasso. I mean, at least his method of madness works. But in this one, it was surprising with all of the turbulence going into it. United opened optimistically. Sure, Pogba, Sancho buzzing. And on seven minutes, Ronaldo rounded the keeper, rolled the ball home, only to see Perot sweep it off the line. Old Ronaldo would have scored that. And Southampton kept pressing forward with a swaggering sense of self, willing to press and play expansive Hassan Huttle ball, which honestly played right into Rangnick's plan. As time and time again, United broke at pace with muscle memory reminiscent of great United teams past. And on 21 minutes, that goal, Davo. You know, Jaden Sancho, this whole story, I mean, a player who, you know, it took so long to settle in at Man United and so good to see him just you know, in a very disappointing season for the team, starting to have some performances and starting to, you know, have some like really outstanding moments like this one. Bruno scintillatingly sprung Rashford into acres on the right. You could see Rashford's brain calculating as he charged forward. Do I shoot or do I pass? Do I shoot? Do I pass? And he did the latter, ignoring it should be said. We'll talk more about this later. A screaming Ronaldo demanding the pullback. Instead, pinging it towards Sancho on the far post, slapping it in his first Premier League goal at Old Trafford. And at halftime, we all wondered out loud, United have had trouble holding a lead. Southampton, we know, never give up from the Spurs game. How would this end? Because you've got to wonder, what do you think United do in that locker room, Davo? Because this is their pattern. They've gone in constantly ahead. They have leaked almost immediately. Whatever is being said is so inadvertently self-sabotaging. I don't know whether they have Chris Armas beatboxing and freestyling for 15 minutes in front of the lads. My name's Chris and it's no wonder my iPods are where made me look like thunder. And we didn't have long to find out 48 minutes. Oops, United did it again. Yeah. And can I tell you something about this Shea Adams goal? It's the kind of goal that you don't see scored against United, except by, you know, elite teams. It's not, I mean, you would have expected Southampton from a set piece, maybe from a James Ward Prowse free kick from a bit of, you know, box slop, but like a, you know, a a terrible defensive mistake. But this is the kind of goal at Old Trafford that Southampton come in trailing (laughs) 1-0 and then this sort of cut, the speed, the incisive play down the left and then the finish from Shea Adams, Shea McAdams. And it was audacious, (laughs) Rog. It was audacious. El Unusi fed Shea who opened up his body and just the razor-sharp clinicality. You know, this, this, he, I love watching him. He, he misses a lot. And then you see him do this. You know, it's some way to follow up your winner against the Spurs, uh, it should be said. You look at the goal, though, and the gaps between United's lines that Southampton surged through to score it. But the big picture, again, United leak. Again, right after a half-time team talk. Let me make this clear. Ted Lasso would never. Why are United evaporating in games, though, Davey? Well, it's partly because other teams believe that they can do it against Man United. So much of how United would beat you at Old Trafford before is you just didn't believe that you could go down to them and ever get back into the game. And now teams just believe. They've seen it happen so many times. They've seen everybody get points or beat them, and they just believe. Yeah, there's also, and it's something I admire about uh, Ralph Rangnick, is his transparency. He said publicly after the game, 
that he looks at his team and sees a squad that is unable to maintain a consistent, coherent press for, quote, more, this is so damning, for more than 30 or 40 minutes. To do that, it needs a change in physical ability and it needs a change in mental mindset. The squad must be prepared to sacrifice, to suffer, whatever the opposite of what Medvedev does digging in for a five-setter. No, you know, he came on a yeah. pod and said, I just know I can outlast my opponent in terms of facing up to the pain. Whatever's the opposite of that, that is what Manchester United currently are. You know, Rashford disappeared. Bruno and Pogba seem to pull more energy down the stretch into working the refs um, than trying to challenge Southampton. By the way, huge respect to Southampton. Just Romeo constantly um oh, what a player bring, what a player Dave. really what a player former chelsea boy uh former barcelona boy i mean he's just a superb superb footballer and just so important uh, not talked about enough one of the most underrated players in the premier league ball winner um loves charging forward and the way hassan huttle and we don't talk about southampton enough southampton fans say this to us all the time but i will say the, the way hassan huttle has his players so well conditioned to pass and move intelligently um, down the flanks is is just remarkable. And God, the hot mics picked up a particularly loud United fan who kept bellowing, "Effing embarrassing!" Uh, he honestly could have been on uh, on Cocoms um, in a remarkable way. United's frustration simmered. Bruno threw a right fist at James Ward-Prowse, and I, I was watching this thinking, if I was an Arsenal fan and saw what my team gets sent off for and what Manchester United get away with, I would be seething. And then Ronaldo had the ball in the net, but he was way, way offside. (laughs) Six games without a goal now is worst stretch since 2009. And what was notable down the stretch, David, first half of the season, United's attack often faltered because their young attackers were constantly looking to feed Ronaldo. Even when he was in bad positions, they would defer yeah. to him. This game... Now they're not doing it. It's, yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't think of passing the ball to it's him. It's astonishing. It's yeah. astonishing. Even Ronaldo will be begging for the ball. By the way, often in open spaces, he'll do that, you know, the two hands out to point into his own feet. Um, and they utterly ignore him and pass elsewhere. And we said when he came that Ronaldo will be so good for the Premier League but not good at all for United. And that's proven to be the case. It's really a symbol of this United team right now. It's just a remarkable, remarkable downhill descent uh, for a player and his reputation in a single season. Yeah, I mean, he really does seem to represent the Manchester United philosophy in total. He still carries immense commercial might. He is still the greatest platform um, on social media that cannot be matched. Um, he's a, a phenomenal brand ambassador, but below that, in terms of elite footballer, the best days, they're now myths, they're now memories um, of days you're... Indeed, Southampton will fail that they should have won this one. But even though we were spared the sight of the final whistle of Hassan Huttle dropping to his knees in tears, God, what a record Southampton have had in 2022. They played City, Spurs and United, taking five points out of nine there. Immense. Those last two games in particular, beating Spurs, tying United with real perseverance. You could say uh, the Saints are doing as much for Arsenal's top four chances as Arsenal are right now. Yeah, 
and suddenly rumours about Hassan Huttle all over the media <laughs> about where he might go next, including <laughs> Old Trafford. Uh, to a club, United, who are currently dropping points like Vlad Guerrero drops hit. So many questions. Why do they keep dropping points? Why do they leak equalisers so early in the second half? Why does their intensity and their performance level drop so soon after they score? And Ralph has suggested it's psychological that the players lose their focus and their game plan after scoring. Whatever it is, it's happened too much to not be corrected. The third one, one of the week, and the noise surrounding the United locker room will continue to hit 11. Expect this week's gossip out of the locker room to play a bit like Ted Lasso season two. Leicester City 2, West Ham United 2. The visitors went ahead after 10 minutes thanks to the left boot of Jared Bowen. That's 7-7 seven in seven for him, Roger. But despite having the better of the game, West Ham allowed Leicester back into it when Aaron Cresswell needlessly handled inside the box, allowing Yuri Tillmans to convert from the spot. Ricardo Pereira gave the Foxes the lead early in the second half with a diving header. But at the very end, from a corner, which Leicester have just been absolutely shambolic <laughs> at defending all season. Dawson shouldered, shouldered one in to lift the irons a point above Man United for that fourth spot. Ahead of kickoff. It all felt a bit the best of times for West Ham. Their top four rivals all crap in the bed before they'd even kicked off. And the worst of times. They are essentially seen as being cat killers right now. Zuma, mm. once again, in the starting eleven until he cried off with a sudden sickness on the cusp of kickoff. His sponsors have fled him and the club. Um, perhaps Leicester City's pre-match DJ booming squeezes cool for cats over the stadium speakers during warm-up turns Zuma's stomach, David. It is amazing and it's a good thing that this story has just gained so much um, public momentum. Uh, Britain, a nation of uh, animal lovers, uh, cat lovers and just the video was disgusting and I think people are rightly animated about it and are very confused by West Ham's you know not you know that they haven't condoned what Kurt Zuma has done but they don't seem to have really punished him in any way you know, there's been a fine a sizable fine um but by continuing to pick him it's just all so badly handled. They should have sat their defender rather than implied by their actions that they as a club were standing by him. Or, or, or probably from Moyes' perspective, that points in football are more important than the way that they're won. And you are going to see a drip, drip, drip now of more brands severing their ties with the club itself, uh, making this a story that will not and should not go away. But to the football, it was actually Zuma's replacement Diop on 10 minutes who spanked a ball over the top in charged English Taylor Twelman Jared Bowen <laughs> thrash past Schmeich I'm still trying to make that happen no one why, am I the only one who looks at Jared Bowen and thinks he's he, just the way he carries himself he looks like TT yeah wait maybe if we saw him in a suit and there are lots of flowers and lots of stuff going on around the left lapel maybe I'd see it and, I need then, to get but, I need know, to go with I you. need to film with Jared Bowen and just my only question would be Jared can you just shout into the camera what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> that might make it even more evident whatever it is seven goals in seven games and it this was not a goal reminiscent of TT it was actually a carbon copy of so bloody many that Jamie Vardy scored during Leicester City of Dreams the Leicester fans uh I don't know if they felt that. I mean, I watched it. It was. It was like watching Vardy just run in on goal. And the Leicester uh. fans let their team have it. The Boo Boys were out. And in truth, these boos were deserved. Despite Brodge writing frantically in his little book, 
his Leicester conspired to create very little until former Ipswich star Aaron Cresswell threw them a lifeline, going full-on volleyball player, setting up a spike, using his elbow to clear out a corner, and Tillman's debut. Yeah. When he scored from the spot, roaring at the crowd, it was a roar of relief as much of his joy. Yeah, I think he already had roared at the crowd when he'd missed one by about <laughs> 12 yards right and roared them to like help support the boys and support the lads, get them back into the game. And this was, yeah, Aaron Cresswell. It proof that it's a simulation. He couldn't possibly, nobody with free will would have done that. And uh, Yuri Tillmans puts it, slots it in the back of the net. Thunderous. Game on. Second half, Harvey Barnes, God bless, turned the game around. Direct running, opening up West Ham. He fired a few warning shots before he crossed for Pereira to head home. Cue scenes, limbs. And you kind of watched on. West Ham offered a little brodge, Davo. Started to feel confident enough. That he oh. emerged to pose on the sideline to make sure the cameras got him and everyone knew. Look at me now. Yep, the victory was being delivered under me. Uh, this is under me. But my God, death taxes. Leicester City conceding from corners. 91st minute to English Taylor Twelman, who swung the ball into the mixer. Uh, what happened, Davo? I mean, there's so much happened and also not a lot happened at the same time. Uh, Dawson Rose. The suspect Rose, Your Honour. Yeah, challenged yeah. Um, by uh, the Leicester, air quotes, defence. And the ball seemed to hit him. There is an imaginary line that exists that, that, on all that of separates the arm on all of from the shoulder. On all of our limbs that separates the... Well, on this one, the line separates the arm for handball purposes from the shoulder for non-handball purposes. And apparently, apparently, the... Uh, the ball hit him above that line, according to our robot overlord. To me, he armed the ball in. I will be candid. Yeah. Uh, I think it may be that Dawson just has spectacularly long shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> My arms are 90% shoulder, Your Honour. Um, yeah, you know, we all know that guy. The most incredible thing was, yes, not that he armed it in, which he did, but that there were four Leicester defenders surrounding him, none of whom got off the floor at all. Got their arms on the ball. Well, none of them, none of them <laughs> seemed to leave the floor at all. Schmeichel yeah. just watching for a ball he probably could have come. This is proper Moyes ball. I mean, I bet you they are. They Moyes trains arming goals in. in we're doing it. It's Tuesday. It's arm day, lads. I mean, Leicester, <laughs> have, whatever it was, have conceded more goals from corners than there were crypto commercials in the Super Bowl. 11, Davo, this season. 11. And honestly, you know, I tweeted... This earlier this week, corners against Leicester are almost as lethal at penalty kicks at this point. We'll talk about Leicester in a second. Where'd you come out of with with West Ham? Resilient, but just one win in four now. And you kind of look at it and the story of the season for them may yet be that the owners didn't bring in the required reinforcements and back their manager in January. Yeah, possibly. I mean, this battle for fourth place, Rog, it's just, it's extraordinary because... Nobody seems to really want it. Um, and West Ham, they could have bought in more players. They didn't bring in more players. They didn't reinforce the squad. Then they've got this Zuma distraction, which has been which has been difficult for them. Still a good, you know, 2-2 two, two away at Leicester. That's a pretty decent result. But, you know, certainly not the scintillating form that they were on. God, yeah, I will say, God bless you, say no one wants fourth. I did get a lovely text from my oldest son, Samson, getting a bit carried away. Um, after Everton's performance, which we will discuss, where he said, couple more like this, Champions League, not out of the question. 
Many people want it, Dave. I'll just say many people want it. But for Leicester City, as I said, the fans booed at half-time and full-time. They seem so done with Brodge oh, up there. But hilarious stories continue to bubble in the tabloids. Leicester manager Brendan Rodgers has heightened speculation that his ideal next job will be in the Manchester area after finding a new home in Cheshire's football belt, Dave. Manchester City are to Brodge. Just like a little space rocket escape pod for an evil baddie in a bomb movie to blast off as his lair, <laughs> in which he plans skullduggery is about to explode all around him. Look at me now. <laughs> Tottenham nil, Wolves too. The low-key story of this Premier League season, Rog, finally getting some of the love that they deserve. Wolverhampton Wanderers and their manager, Bruno Lage, move within three points of the top four after a really impressive display at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The visitors went ahead on six minutes when CONCACAF's Raul Jimenez chested down a rebound and blasted a volley past Hugo Lloris. And a mere 12 minutes later, Leander Dendonka <sighs> mopped up some box slop in front of the Spurs goal to make it two. And with that, Wolves have won four out of their last five. They leapfrog Spurs into seventh place. They're just four points outside the top four with, wait for it, a game in hand. A game forged in the top four crucible against stealth aspirants Wolves and Spurs wilted from the off in the face of the Bruno Large press. A first half performance of, I don't know how you'd describe it, apathetic slapstick slop and comedy defending I mean, it's astonishing to leak two goals to Wolves is an astonishing feat because their game plan is to set out to win 1-0. They don't really want to score two goals. I mean, that second goal that Wolves scored was it it was comedy. That's almost like men in blazers opening titles worthy. Uh, what went on in that second it was, goal? It was abhorrent to witness and Conte didn't wait. Hauled off Sessegnon on 28 minutes, humiliating for the kid, reorganised his own shape from his favoured 3-4-3 to a 4-2-3-1, but it mattered not. Davinson Sanchez is so incredibly bad at football. Uh, with him and Ben Davis on the field, Spurs just are vulnerable down both flanks. And watching Conte's mob try and score and huff and puff, it was honestly watching them. And this pains me because I love... I admire, I I respect Tottenham Hotspur and their flamboyant, entertaining tradition. But watching them, it was horribly similar to suffering through an Everton game. Davinson Sanchez, Davo, actually might be the most Everton-y footballer in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's very bad at football. I just, you know, he he's obviously incredible at football or he wouldn't be in the Premier League. But he's not having a very good run at the moment. That's a nice way of handling it. You know, as bad as Spurs were at the back... They did have multiple chances to score. Kane, Son, Mora, all blue opportunities. Best chance they had was tap wide from Kulisevsky and GFOP at Vesta Camp summed up just how dismal the display was. He said, we were so unspursy today. We didn't even build up hope that we could get crushed in this one. First, let's praise Wolves, Davo. Fourth away win in a row. A defence which is, it's really Buffalo Bills-esque. Stealth shout-out as manager of the season, Bruno Lodge. Yeah, just so well-organised, uh, so well-drilled. Every phase of the game, they they push from minute one till, you know, whatever plus is put on at the end of the 90 minutes. They just uh, so well-played and lots of very, very skillful players as well. Oh, I'm a big Kilman fan, but for Spurs, third straight Premier League loss for Conte. 
and his win now project. First time he's lost three in a row since 2009 when he was with Atalanta. He is a man who really lives to win. Winning is an obsession. When you read about his philosophy, losing, no one likes to lose. No one. But for him, it's a peculiar human agony. And who's up next? Harry Kane's Manchester City. Lord knows what mental state Antonio is in right now. I will find out, Davo, because tomorrow I'm actually interviewing Antonio Conte. Great timing. Sure, he'll be really upbeat, joyous form, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just the time to get him. I mean, I'm ducking at just even the the prospect. Three weeks ago, we were celebrating the winning mentalities brought to this club during a nine-game unbeaten run. Uh, with which he struck out. Now more and more, he's just... I mean, this is what was amazing watching him yesterday. Normally, there's a mania when his team are losing, just wild reactions. But in this one, he stood still, wearing a hat, almost in disbelief, repeatedly like a tick, rubbing the side of his neck on the sideline in the rain. It is... You are a Conteologist. What do you see? I think he's on the edge. It's so funny because I was, I was watching a a recreational tennis match this weekend. And I was having sort of a brunch next to the court with, with a couple of my friends. And I could tell that one of the players in this, uh, in this doubles match was about to lose his crap. You could just see, I said, I said to my friend, Ben, if that guy misses one more forehand, the racket is literally going to fly into the swimming pool. Um, Two minutes later, he misses, another forehand and the racket flies not into the swimming pool, but right into our table at brunch. And that's sort of what I see with Antonio Conte. He's about to, he looks like somebody who's about to lose his crap. You know, the, the, the big picture question from the very beginning was would Conte, Conte Spurs or would Spurs, Spursy Conte, as you say, Spurs fans, I know uh, who are deeply connected to the club are starting to wonder very seriously um, who will be the manager um, come next season. Will he even stick wow. around to the end of the season? Biggest news. Can I always try and be upbeat? Our- Could be Chris Armas. <sighs> Spurs, bite your arm off for Chris Armas. <laughs> Biggest news. It is where the Ted Lasso story began. <laughs> yes. If you remember. <laughs> I always try and be upbeat and end on a high note. So biggest news out of Tottenham this week that the team are considering a bid to host the 2026 Super Bowl at their $1 billion stadium. Who let the dogs out? Could this even happen, David? Mm. Well, I mean, football NFL announced yesterday they're going to Munich, Rog. They're going to go play games there and in Frankfurt. I mean, these are very good. Very good times for people with European football stadiums. Oh, I do love Tottenham's vision. I love their bold, audacious claim. But I also, <laughs> naivete much, the Super Bowl will never be played uh, in Britain. Just never will be. America would never allow that to happen. Especially because there's a little stadium called the Mohammed bin Zayed Stadium in Abu Dhabi, <laughs> Dave. I think they've got first dibs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or they've got big dibs. I don't think it's necessarily first. It's they got big ones. Uh, big dibs. Norwich City nil, Manchester City four. City do exactly what it says on the tin and swat aside the Canaries thanks to a perfect Raz trick. Right foot, header, left foot, and a scrappy goal from Phil Foden. City stay nine points clear of Liverpool. Norwich remain pinned in the relegation zone. In an unpredictable world, it's nice to have some things you can count on, like an effervescent Manchester City. Oh, it's like a scientific experiment what would happen if you pitched the world's best team 
against Josh Sargent, the world's best player. And let's just say, <laughs> poor Norwich. Yes, more street fighty under Dean Smith. They girded their loins ahead of this visit, knowing that Liverpool are up next. And oh, Manchester City have not lost in the league since October. Norwich tried their best, bless them. But this was like me. Honestly, this is like me fighting Robocop. And once City locked onto their target on 30 minutes, Raz cutting inside Max Aaron's and looping a shot home. His first goal of the calendar year. And he wouldn't have to wait long to feast on more. 90 seconds into the second half. It was game over. Foden squeezing the ball over the line. From then on, it was honestly like watching a chess game in which one side starts off with three queens. Gundogan, Foden, Raz interchanging so beautifully. It's like watching Kanye, Davo, choose to fight against Pete Davidson, Kid Cuddy and Billy Eilish all at the same time. Yeah, I know. He had a he had a big day, Kanye, on the on the uh, on the social yesterday on the social. Yeah, I felt like my one regret about this game, Rog, is I do now look forward to Norwich Man City games. I like the clash of green and yellow and sky blue. We yeah. were cheated of that when Man City wore their white shirts. Um, it just wasn't quite pastel enough for me. This game it wasn't quite Easter themed enough. Yeah, it was also not footbally enough. This was a control <laughs> canter. For the league leaders, hat-trick for Raz. He is third top scorer in the Premier League now, top English wow. international, a clean sheet. City, it's incredible. I've taken 43 out of the last 45 points available. Testament to how superlative they are that this is the best Liverpool squad assembled in the modern period. Huh. And City are nine points ahead with a goal difference still in their favour. Incredible, incredible. Burnley, nil. Liverpool won a pragmatic win in the blustery Shire sees Liverpool maintain visual contact with the league leaders. The difference here, a 40th minute Fabinho goal. That's five goals in seven games for the Sao Paulo Powerballed. Not the prettiest of wins, but Klopp's team claimed their fourth straight in difficult conditions. Burnley, meanwhile, still pinned to the bottom of the table. Seven points from safety with a few games in hand. In the mud and wind and splatter of turf moor in the rain. Rain, so bloody unforgiving. It made Jordan Henderson look as ball curious as John Joe Shelby. Huh. Liverpool laboured, created chances, but left themselves strangely open at the back time and time again. Against New Burnley, six foot six striker, Voot Veghorst, who trundled yeah. in. Like it's a, a big lad. Big lad. Like, they, they must adore him. What a cult hero. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it was like watching a Dutch Bryant Reeves. I don't know how yeah. you say big country in um, in Flemish. He's like a big man, huge man with no self-belief who looks like he can't believe either that he made it to this level. GFOP at Featherstone Age uh, tweeted, Veghorst is proto-Burnley. I believe they took a blade of grass from Turf Moor, added it to an ovum in a test tube, then took it and smashed it on the floor. And Double W appeared. It can be the only logical explanation, right? Voot, there it is. Oh, after <laughs> he and Jay, Voot, there it is. Get there, lad. After he and Jay Rodriguez just spurred chance after bloody chance. Burnley oh, have conjured an entire three big boy goals in the last nine games. An oddly sloppy Liverpool did a Burnley to Burnley, scoring a goal of slop and slip. Klopp's mob have really relied on set-piece goals through the slog of the last month without... Mane and Salah. Now they're back, but they left it to Fabinho. Unbelievably, Fabinho's fifth goal of 2022, all from set pieces. Ronaldo could never, Davo. I mean, he's scoring goals at striker rate. Yeah, I mean, he's not a striker, Rog, but he certainly has the instincts of a striker. He's, he has speed of thought, 
and uh, close quarter skill. And Liverpool, God, did they ever need them because the conditions and really their overall lack of synchronisation in this one made that lead never feel safe. Liverpool kept playing a high line and let's just say it was teetering on the edge throughout as Burnley continued to Burnley their way forward in their singular attritional style. Alisson, Godley, really on too many occasions to count. And at the final whistle, a triple fist pump from Klopp. Really, you could see his relief, his joy. He can now focus on Inter Milan in the San Siro, in the Champions League midweek, as Liverpool really continue an uncharted territory of a season. Title race still alive, placing the Carabao Cup final one, fifth round of the FA Cup, this last 16 Champions League tie, all to navigate. And really, their best hope for the title race will be played out over the next month as they play the likes of Norwich and Leeds at home and City face up to Tottenham, Manchester United and Everton. Okay, we're going to be back to talk Newcastle's third straight win and a certain victory for a certain team in blue, Rog, right after Get a quick word from BetterHelp. Price Picks is the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states across the country, including so many of my favourites, California, Texas and Georgia. Godspeed, Georgia. I'm hungry for a dozen lemon pepper wet. But back to Price Picks. We've been hearing from so many WGFOPs who are loving Double P, Pablo Picasso, Price Picks, which allows them to win up to 25 times their money for the soccer season, is a reason I do appreciate Price Picks because it's simple. During the Premier League match days, I've got roughly 239 tabs on my computer open as we attempt to work out our social media, the pod rundown, the upcoming interview. You get the drift. But because Price Picks is easy to play, I'm not having to constantly click to see how my gents are doing or how many certain actions are worth. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. That is how easy it can be. You also mix and match players from several leagues across the globe. Luca De La Torre, I'm looking at you, as well as other sports like basketball oh, and hockey. Oh, the Capitals. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. It's promo code MIB. Prize picks. Pick more or pick less. It's that easy. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Newcastle won, Aston Villa nil. The Toon earned their third straight Premier League win. The first time they've won three straight in the league since 2018. The game's lone goal, a 35th minute Kieran Trippier free kick that squeezed through a Villa wall with a bigger gap than Alex Ovechkin's smile. Don't look now, but Newcastle Mm. are unbeaten in five. Three wins in a row for Eddie Howe. All of the haters who are baying for Newcastle relegation and please know how hard it is for me not to use the word we here, have to brace themselves for the darkness of a Newcastle second half of the season resurgence. This was a game that honestly could have gone either way. Settled by Kieran Trippier. There's no one better in football at thrashing free kicks right through opponent's shoddily built walls. God bless him. No goals in two and a half seasons. 
with Atletico, but two strikes in his last two games with Newcastle. Bad news, though, at half-time when news filtered out, he had fractured. His foot will be out for an unspecified period post-surgery. We wish you speedy return, Kieran. It will be a massive blow, his loss for Eddie Howe as he plays through his full-backs. Villa did come to life in the second half. John McGinn driving them forward. And it was up to the tunes. Other new defensive signing, debutant Dan Byrne, childhood Newcastle fan who'd been released by the Newcastle Academy as a nine-year-old, stepped up with aplomb. He's the kind of hard big man that Newcastle fans love, right, David? Love and probably need. Yeah, I mean, God, just three goals leaked in five games. Now that, that is what will keep Newcastle up. Sigh. Gerrard's Villa, for all the money spent in the January transfer window, they look... Well, they look mid-table. And I'm not saying it's delicious for me to watch Aston Villa fans turn on Luca Dina, which they are already doing, but I'm not not saying that either. Yeah. Can we also say St. James's Park, a very, very difficult place right now for teams to go and play good football, as we've seen um, in a few of those Newcastle victories. And I will say, after years of Mike Ashley ownership, my God, those fans, they deserve their joint. Watford nil, Brighton 2, an aerial battle between Hornets and Seagulls. Season informed Brighton scooped the spoils. A wonderful swiveling volley from Neil Mope and the scrappiest of corner scraps from Adam Webster do the job. Brighton are unbeaten in seven, circling those European spots. Watford, oh. meanwhile, haven't scored a goal in the three games since Roy Hodgson took over. They haven't won since November. And other than the murder rap for ending Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they're looking at a very bleak end of season highlights DVD. Bless Roy Hodgson's new manager bounce. So it was more more of a refined flat line. Is that how you'd describe it, David? Yeah. yeah. You sort of got to be aware that you're the new manager in order to have the new manager bounce. Right? <laughs> the first half of this one, essentially Mope range finding until Lamptey swung a ball in, one hop to Mope, who just swiveled and swung and swept it into the corner. Sweet, sweet wonder. But anyway, Lamptey is one of my favourite mm. footballers to watch. Just his dance and dazzle and joyful mischief. What a player he is. And Roy Hodgson began the afternoon with a hero's welcome from the crowd at his first home game, ended with away fans singing, you're getting sacked in the morning. No <laughs> points, just two shots uh, on goal uh, in his games. Really a reflection of the conveyor belt of life, that 90 minutes for Roy, a reminder of our own mortality and that we're all going to die. Yeah, and the conveyor belt of managers at Watford Football Club continues. Brentford, nil. Crystal Palace, nil. A relatively flat game that saw the Bees stop a five-game losing skid and earn their first clean sheet since November. Palace, meanwhile, still in search of their first win of 2022. But the drab game was given a shot of glorious technicolour when Christian Eriksen was introduced to the crowd at the Brentford Community Stadium. A lovely moment, Roger. Yeah, turgid, forgettable game, if we're being honest. A much-needed point for both teams. Brentford especially after they had lost seven of their last eight. Palace, I think they've got like one win um, in eight, and that was against Everton, of course, if only they could play them every week. And the only truly lasting memory, as you suggest, really one of the loveliest moments of the season, Christian Eriksen walking onto the field before the game, waving to the ecstatic Brentford fans. A few weeks until he's match fit, it's his birthday today. Watching him, really a reminder of what's important about the game, which is not the game, but football, football literally being life. Okay, Rog, talking of football being life, what a game. Everton (laughs) 3, 
Leeds nil. I mean, we never game of the weekend, performance of the weekend in many respects, Rod. Your mob rebound from that 3-1 loss to Piff Castle absolutely dismantled the Bielsa boys. Goals from the legs of Killebeg, Seamus Coleman, Michael uh, Keane and Rich Arlison uh, slash Anthony Gordon actually do the job for Frank. Forget SoFi Stadium, Rog. Goodison was the place to be this weekend. What an atmosphere. We're the champions of the world! Oh, no, that's Chelsea. Big question ahead of this one. Could Frank Lampard fulfill his childhood dream of becoming the first Everton manager in 71 years to preside over a relegation? That's what it's come to. Uh, ahead of kickoff against Leeds United and Frank's championship nemesis, Marcelo Bielsa. Simply, mm. this felt like an enormous game. Win and we could breathe, lose and Frank Lampard's honeymoon essentially over after just one night of rumpy bumpy in which we both, let's be honest, faked orgasms. The night before the game, I went to bed expecting to have Dan James and Jack Harrison, GFOP Jack Harrison, just charging at us over and over again, flaying us alive. Instead, I woke up, I was like, believe. And we said, Dave, last week on WGFOP, that Everton's last hope were our fans, just the power, the energy, of the supporters, a packed, yes, anxious, but packed Goodison Park. And my God, they didn't let us down. The place was rocking as the boys walked out. I tried to be optimistic. We're Donny van der Beek's team now. But I've got to say, Zed Cars, the music that Everton walk out to, normally it stirs my soul. Head of this one, it just seemed to signal impending doom. And I was like, night gathers and now my watch begins. But a minute in, Anthony Gordon sprung free with the goal at his mercy. Was so shocked he just fell over. God bless him. What a ginger cult hero he is. And Frank just had his team charging forward with positive intention. You know, the commentator said at one point, a Wobie seems to have a free role here. Uh, but the honest truth is, it's just a Wobes doesn't do tactical systems, bless. But did we remind you of Frank Chelsea? Frank Everton, David, just charging forward with not really caring about what was happening at the back or anything. Just go, just go, just go. There were some halves of of Chelsea Football Club under Frank when they played like this, with this level of just enthusiasm and endeavour, particularly the young kids. Not sure he ever quite got the veterans playing like this, but this was so impressive. Yes, Rog, credit the Goodison crowd, credit the atmosphere um, there, credit the Zed Cars theme tune. But what Frank has done with this team, and I know the result was so important, but the performance, the performance I in this game it. from everybody, what every believe face, it. you literally name, a, name an Everton player, except for maybe Jordan Pickford, name an Everton player. And I can literally remember some amazing moments, more than one, like multiple amazing moments that they had in this game. A Wobi, a Wobi. I mean, both both ends of the part. A Wobi. Oh my just, word! Just that. By the way, Wobes, if that was your one good game and we never see it again, thank you, Wobes. Thank you. Honestly, that was enough. That was enough. This was spare parts. You know what we always say about Greg Bloody Burhalter. You know, take these parts and make them something. That we had John Joe Kenny attempting... He was superb. Just, he did a he did Cruyff turn. He did a Cruyff turn. <laughs> I loved it. He did. John Joe Kenny. I mean, that's, John Joe Kenny is actually scouts for spare part doing quasi-Cruyff turns in the area, just surging, Davo. And it all comes from... Well, Frank explained it. He said, I have given every player a chance for a restart. 
And it was helped. The referee let prison rules reign yeah. at the beginning. The chaos, the kinetic energy just crackled all over the field. And I do want to make this clear about the joy I felt on this day because I have rarely watched Everton at the outset with these emotions, just a sick dread. I knew mistakes would be inevitable, but the cost of making them in this game, in this moment, it felt it felt so dark like we would pay the iron price. So saying that, David, oh. on 10 minutes, I had a frankgasm. I mean, just outstanding. I can't even remember the build-up. I remember Seamus Coleman bundling it in at the end. Let's but it was just him. so frenetic. Let's name I mean, him. Honestly, Donny van der Beek. Thank oh, you, Manchester so United. He was so good. Let's name he that man. He was so good. Let's name him. His name is Donald van der Beek. I don't know if it actually <laughs> is Donald, but I do love that. My name's Donald van der Beek. And he rolled the ball across. You know, he said, DCL here, F this up, which DCL obliged. And the ball somehow started to bobble in the air. And I think his name is officially changed to this much maligned Seamus Coleman. Just yeah. putting his handsome, handsome face where the boots fly. Not Omi's first goal since 2019. We never doubted you, Seamus. But my God, we love you again, Super Frank. What's it like watching him punch the air, Davo? in the shape of a statue, which I've started to commission after the Brentford game, then decommissioned after the Newcastle midweek and can neither confirm nor deny that I've greenlit once again with his cute little bald spot and all. I know. I love it, Rog. I love seeing him happy. I love seeing Frank happy. I love this Everton performance. I was literally, I've never cheered for Everton before. It was a really amazing experience. Oh, it's, a, it's like ordering a drink when you say to the bar man, just make me a cocktail. Don't tell me what it is. And it could be amazing. It could be terrible. That's what it's like supporting Everton. Oh, just imagine what this feels like for Frank, Rog. Turned down by all these clubs, derided after really what was an outstanding performance as manager at Derby, and then that sort of first year and a half at Chelsea until that 10-game losing streak. Given the axe, nobody even willing to look at him, laughed at, said, you know, almost like people talk about the disrespect for Chris Armas. The disrespect for Frank Lampard, based on his coaching credentials, has just been outrageous. What he's done here, come in, organised. He's a man-manager, Rog. He's made these players believe in themselves even, again. He's brought in this outstanding team of coaches. They That was ridiculously good football. Yeah, let's praise him. Let's praise him because if we're going to crap the bed next week, undoubtedly. Oh, it's not going to be a straight line. I'll get, to, I'll get to that in a minute, but my God, you know, I was delirious. Such relief for that first goal. 30 minutes later, I don't, I've never typed this before. It would get better for Everton. You know, by the way, Leeds, they were playing this game. We've got to be candid. What a grim season which might be Bielsa's last and something drastic changes just couldn't shut down young ginger pubes Anthony Gordon I mean Van, yeah. we said Van <laughs> der Beek just organizing everything and you know you talk about Frank giving dire players confidence Michael Keane a player who has been a one-man self-sabotage wrecking crew all year, rose up, thumped the header home, and God I've never well, doubted you Michael Keane. They ran a just set a bit. play Maybe from a, a corner Maybe a lot. They ran a set play from a corner. They ran a set play. Yeah. They had it was a little bit like when England in the World Cup in yeah. 2018. They all hid in a little like nucleus. Yeah. And then they all exploded out. And there was Michael Keane nodded at home. By the way, we used goal. to do that in the Moyes. I, I, we used to if you, any Everton fans remember the days where we always felt we'd score from a corner with Lescott and Tim Cahill and Jaggy Elka. They'd actually I talked to Tim Cahill about it. They decided to just hug each other in a knot on the edge of the area so no one could mark them. The three of them would just genuinely hug each other really tight and then they'd explode. And all the, it was like watching that again, Dave. And I'd just say, first, the Florida Cup. 
Now scoring <laughs> twice against Leeds. Who says you can't have it all? This honestly felt like our Istanbul. Everton, Davo, this is the greatest tribute I can give to Frank on this day. I won't be clear. I don't expect this to continue. But watching this game, Everton played like a good US men's national team play where every I know, footballer... I read that tweet and liked it. So right. Every football, including some really spare parts, just gave their all and the fans kind of did the rest driving them onwards that that's what we should be playing right yeah it was the energy and effort and this idea like when you said earlier that Ralph Rangnick said his team can only really press for about 20 minutes it's like this was an Everton team that ran their socks off all day all day got that performance out of Alex Iwobi Rog yeah if he never it was do it just again, amazing Alex is still Rondon came on and he looked like he, was, he was up for it My he God. could actually run he could run he could run can I just say God even Delhi, God bless him I, I rarely yeah. rooted for a My footballer God, more good. than than that but just drifting that ball onto Rondon even Rondon thought he could fly I believe I can fly maybe that's all Frank's doing is just playing that in the locker whatever you're doing Frank keep it up mate yes Rodrigo hit the ball with two drivers but on yeah. this day, we had the oh luck. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Pickford on those two. <laughs> Pickford was so far behind he's the action still, on those He's still two. traumatized by oh, the dinosaur with little so arms. Good. The fans at Newcastle waved at him. <laughs> he, was just, he spends his whole game now just squinting for the fans to see if that... There was a dinosaur. Pickford probably thought it was a real dinosaur, by the way. There was a real yeah. dinosaur, I tell you, and it had little arms and it looked like me. With arms just like mine. It was a Pickfordsaurus. <laughs> on this day, we had the luck, Davo. We never have the luck. We did. Donny van der Beek, in particular, of the magnificent bless him. I will say, after all he's been through, so good to see Donny. Donald. Donald. So good to see Donald. <laughs> I'm very formal. Donald van der Beek. So, Donald, it's very good seeing you play football on a, on a team that needs you, that appreciates you, your presence, what you can do on the field. We need him. I think to love and be loved. When I look at Donny van der Beek here on Valentine's Day, there is a reminder that the most powerful human emotions, most powerful human motivations are to love and be loved. And that's what Donald is going through. What a day. Three goals, clean sheet to boot. Uh, Delhi, God, come on, please be tasty. Good Vibes FC is back. Frank Lampard, Everton, Davo, 4-1 win, followed by 3-1 defeat, followed by a 3-0 win. There's a Japanese term I came across this weekend. It's Wabi Sabi. Apologies if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Wabi Sabi, and I believe it's an appreciation for imperfection and impermanence and seeing ethereal beauty in those things. It kind of reminds me of Everton um, at their best. Yeah, but look, if this was just a result that they got, you'd still be delighted with a result, a a 1-0 win, even a lucky 3-0 win. Uh, you would have been delighted with it. But it was the performance, Rog. And so it won't be a straight line. This is always going to be easier to do at home rather than the way. But they possessed the ball. They just were superb in every <sighs> single phase of play. And, you know, suddenly, you know, just look at the odds, you know, immediately, immediately uh, lengthen on Everton going down. You know, the smart money, Rog, is not wrong. Um, Everton... They'll lose a few more going in at the end of the season, but with performances like this, they're going to get plenty of points. They'll be fine. Glory days. Well, they'll pass you by. And as many GFOPs who follow us on Twitter know, it's been a tough week for me. Uh, Martin Scorsese, who is at my feet as we pod, 
was neutered on Thursday. He's running around mm. in a little cone around his neck. He looks like a character from The Handmaid's Tale when I walk him. It's really, God, it's quite upsetting. And at Mr. Bannon, to you, tweeted, were all of Everton's troubles located in Martin Scorsese's down belows? <laughs> <laughs> I really believe this, Frank, David. Frank will do anything to get the job done, Rog. He'll you know, do anything to I'm get gonna the job send, done. I, I, Marty's chestnuts died so Everton could live. I'm going to send Marty's <laughs> chestnuts to Frank. <laughs> oh, oh, that would be an odd gift. Okay, Rog, can we get one final toast with that exclamation point in a bottle of Jägermeister to bring us home? I raise this Jägermeister, this bolt of human emotion in a shot glass to Syria oh, in Italy, which is experiencing one of the finest title races Europe's seen in a long, long time. AC Milan went top after beating Sampdoria 1-0. They regained the lead from Crosstown Dread Rivals Inter, who, though they have a game in hand, Needed an Eden Deco goal to grab a point in a 1-1 tie, a thrilling game at Napoli, who are also having a season of dreams in their home stadium, which now bears Maradona's name. And I love last week that the club's owner, Aurelio Di Laurentiis, said about Napoli's title chances. He said, Via Tato Palare di Scudetto. It's forbidden to talk about championship titles, which is the complete opposite of trying to speak things into existence. And it is my approach to life exactly as a Gamora obsessive and a gent who adores the city of Naples for Napoli. Okay, Rog, you can follow us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davis, at Rog Bennett. On Instagram, we are at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davis. On Facebook, we're the Men in Blazers. Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Men in Blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendapunk, Rog. War pig! What's that of a boner? Oh, I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. To tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fight in America. Love you, Davo. Love you, Rog. Frank Lampard, look out for Marty's chestnuts in the mail, love. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.